Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We're live. One, two, three, four. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to West by Pod, a podcast about WVU sports, the Big 12, and rock bottom. I'm Joel Bracken at WB Stats Guy on Twitter. Joined as always by Jordan Pinto at Game Day Shorts. So Jordan, listen to this. Javon Carter starts for the best team in basketball. Joe Mazzulla coaches the Boston Celtics. Geno Smith is on the fringe of the MVP debate. Alex Manoa is a Cy Young finalist and the women's soccer team just won the Big 12 championship. Surely everything is good in Morgantown. Am I right? (laughs) Oh my God. Surely, surely. Yeah, no, I mean... All that stuff aside, right? If they, I mean, you said it off the top. If this isn't rock bottom, um, I don't know what it is. I mean, can you? I'm 34. I think you're a little bit younger than me. Can you remember any time in our in our in our lifetime when we've been down this bad? I mean, this it just feels awful. No, nothing, nothing like this. Um, which, of course, you know, I was of the generation that grew up in the kind of golden era, and you know, the fanhood gets stronger because we were great. When I was getting into WVU sports, but yeah, I mean, this is just like a dark hole and, um, you know, we'll, we'll get into it a little as we get the show going today, but it's, it's, uh, we, you have to actually legitimately ask the question, can it get any worse at this point? And, you know, maybe it does, but it feels like it can't get any worse. It feels like this is as deep as you can dig down. Um, we just solidified ourselves as the, the worst team in the conference, um, because we got beat down least by the final score in Ames. So not a great look. Um, you know, I think the sentiment is like that we know who this team is. We you kind of aren't surprised anymore. And uh, I don't think anyone wants to hear it. I don't think we want to talk about too much of the specifics because if you're still listening to the show, you know everything about this team you need to know because unfortunately they, it hasn't really changed. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing that's changed for me is that, uh, you know, we, we've turned the corner from, you know, what I would say maybe frustratingly bad or depressingly bad to uh, to laughably bad. You know, I think that's that's the difference for me is is by the end of the game. And, you know, Neil's after the game saying well, we had a chance to win in the fourth quarter. And it's like, yeah, you did until you let them score 21 points. Right. I mean, OK, sure. We had. Yeah, we had a chance when the game kicked off and then and then we got beat 31 14 by a team that no other team has beaten this year. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, second game this year where I, I don't think there's one single positive or moral victory to take away. Um, and, and it's the same, it's the same story as, as always, you know, the, the, I don't know, quarterback receivers didn't look like they wanted to be there. Defense played okay, but again, it's, you know, it's the worst offense in the conference. So who knows what that really means, but yeah, just, just another unprepared, uninspired performance on the road from this team. Um, after several years of uninspiring, unprepared performances on the road. 
Yeah, the game that always sticks out in my head is the Missouri game. I think it was the second game under Neil Brown. And, you know, the cupboard was bare and we got absolutely embarrassed. And, you know, it is what it is. But, like, we were absolutely non-competitive. And that was the second game of his tenure. And we're, like, 40-some games into his tenure now. And we still show up some weeks and and just look like that. And it's just, like, we don't have, like, a, a legitimate claim to be competitive in some games and this was against a team that you know i wrote it down as just iowa state was not good and we somehow looked like significantly worse which is just like nothing iowa state did was impressive we just were somehow worse at all the little things and you know they chipped away and then ended up you know putting up some points in the fourth so yeah it's yeah like and, it, you know, if you kind of go all the way to Neil Brown's presser after the game, you know, it's the same old stuff. You know, you're, a lot of this stuff, I get it. If I was him, I you know, what do you say at this point? But I think the mood was very, like, frustrated, very, like, you know, I don't think he was, like, passing blame, but, you know, he's, like, not really going, you know, he's saying, oh, I don't know, you have to ask JT about why he didn't play well, and, you know, I don't know these rules because, you know, I always think the ref screws us in this, and, like, I don't know, we just were the worst in my tenure. And he said that, like, three times this year. Yeah, yeah. I think the 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 post game comment that stood out to me, obviously, I think you had it written down too. Is I didn't think there was an effort problem, and you know, as a as a human being with eyes, I wholeheartedly disagree. You know, I think it was pretty clear that we had some. You know, maybe the guys are trying, but they're not focused, or you know, it, it, I I mean, I remember the one to to Bryce Ford Wheaton on the double move where there was kind of like a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of scramble play. And so he did what your coach should do. He turned it upfield, got two steps on the guy. First time I've seen Bryce Ford Wheaton with two steps on a guy uh, on a vertical shot, pretty much this entire season, JT throws it a little bit too far. Right. Um, And Ford, you know, Ford Wheaton kind of threw like a pretty lazy left hand at it. And it tipped off of his left hand where it's like, Man, that's like a that's just a fucking piss poor three and five effort. Yeah. That's why you're three and five. That's why you know. That's why you're now three and six. You know, I don't know. It, it was just it was yeah it was disappointing because like you said it Iowa State's Iowa State's bad. I mean I'm just sitting there watching the game just talking about and the, you know of course the contrast um, and I did relegate our game to the to the small screen um, pretty pretty quickly in this one. But you you know I, so I have two screens. And we're we're playing Iowa State on one. You have Georgia Tennessee on the other one, and it's just like holy shit, we're not even fucking close to these people, you know? Yep. Like we are not even playing the same game that that those teams are playing, and that's the that's when it you know it got where it's just comically bad to me. Where it's like we're 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 the worst team in the conference. We're the worst team in the big. And then I I don't feel like in my lifetime, you know, there were some bad years under Neyland, but I don't feel like we were ever just. So uh, unquestionably the worst team in, in, in the conference that we were in. So, And I think this is important because you and me, we like the analytics. We like to talk numbers, but also we, we do a podcast about WVU sports. Like clearly we're like invested. We watch all these games. We rewatch games, watch all the stuff, read all the stuff. And the level of just like, eh, I feel anymore or at this point is it's, it's alarming because I don't feel like I've ever felt this way about the about a football team where it's like I had a friend in town this weekend. We went to pretty much every, I'm I'm sure we probably went to every single home game together when we were in school and we had the two TV set up and part of it was the ESPN plus broadcast, the, the melanoma bowl. But like, you know, 
all the stuff going on, but whatever. Yeah, we had we had the Tennessee game audio on, and I was definitely paying attention to the Tennessee game more. They're like the same, if not more. And like I said, like we are, I, I would you know think it's a fair assumption to say, like we are diehard. We you know watching all these games. They're so bad that I'm disengaged, and that is like alarming to me. Where I'm just like, wow, like how do you fill up a sixty thousand person stadium when you know the the A one people. I could, you know, it's getting hard to watch. It's just getting hard to watch some of these games, especially because like you, even when you're within three points, you don't feel any confidence that, (laughs) that you're in the game. It's like three points in that game felt like, yeah, we might score again. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and so the answer is, I mean, you're not filling up 60,000 this weekend. Um, You know, I think I I usually like to say that there's the 40 to 45 that are going to be there no matter what. I don't even think that's going to be there this weekend. You know, I'm going to go. I think you were t- you were talking about possibly going this weekend just to, out of morbid curiosity, just to see, yeah. like, what, you know, can this get worse? Um, I don't think that it can. I mean, what is losing to Oklahoma going to really do to the vibes at this point? You know, if anything, it's going to get Neil fired, which is going to make people happier. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, it's... <laughs> It's uncharted waters. I, I have no idea how to react. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel right now. It's just empty. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's yeah, it's a bad feeling. Yeah, two things. The can it get worse crowd is uh, that is fully on the table of you said it earlier. This season is like it's one thing to go lay an egg on the road. You lay an egg when you're in this yeah. kind of situation at home, and you know that's especially ugly you're gonna have recruits in the house because you know in your head in august when you're setting up official visits you're looking at this game and you're like oh maybe we're like what if we're like six and three and oklahoma's kind of good and we have a night game it's like a big recruiting weekend you know and now you have some of your big recruits in town and you're watching your (laughs) your home team you just getting booed off of your own field um yeah so it's not an ideal situation i guess that's the one thing um but if it's really gonna if it's gonna be that bad, the recruiting situation is gonna play out how it's gonna play out either way. I mean, that's just gonna be a, you know, we're gonna have to cross yeah. that bridge at some point if if uh, I guess when when the inevitable happens. So, yeah, I mean, on a, on a like a tangential thing is like okay, like the Big Twelve, I think has solidified itself as like the third best conference. You know, with all these new deals going forward, like they're in good shape. West Virginia is firmly in this conference. Like there's not going to be a time in which we're just going to like drop off the talent, you know, ledge where it's like, we aren't going to be able to get guys, especially with the the ease of the transfer portal, all this kind of stuff. But, but yeah, like I think it was Miami, Florida state, like you bring in recruits for that game. And it was like 45 to three this weekend. Um, you know, I'm not saying Oklahoma's going to do that to us, but it's not out of the, you know, I think the like disengagement of the fans is the worrying part where it's just like, Oh wow. Like this is something that, our fan base likes to pride themselves on being, you know, we're a smaller school, a smaller state. And, you know, like we really like, it's a hard place to go play and to have like the disengaged fan base. Like that's something that, you know, I think is like personal to a lot of people. And you know, I yeah. think that kind of brings you to the, the conversation of Brown just in general. I mean, I think we both thought we're recording this on Monday night. We, we held off the pod a day because we thought there might be news to discuss and I think once noon sort of rolled through, two o'clock rolled through today, it's apparent. I mean, I'd say it's very likely that he's coaching again this weekend. Like, it seems like it's it's just into prep now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like it would have had to happen today by like four o'clock because, you know, like you said, I mean, game prep starts tomorrow. He's got his, his uh, press conference tomorrow. You know, you don't figure that they'd let him do that if, if he wasn't going to be there Saturday. 
Um, so yeah, it just seems kind of like it is what it is. And I, I don't know how tenable it is really, you know, I mean, uh, fan, fan stuff aside, right? Like, so, like the players have social media, um, and you know, the players know that this is not going well. And the overwhelming sentiment on when the overwhelming sentiment online and all these guys can, can read any of this stuff that they want is that like, holy shit, the whole fan base wants this guy to get fired. It's like, how are you really going to go out and play hard for the guy on Saturday? And so, I mean, you know, Neil has, it's a tough enough job as it is, but like, I'm just like, if he's actually going to be there Saturday, I have no idea what message you give to your players this week. And in the locker room on Saturday before the game that to, get them anywhere remotely up for, for this game, you know, cause it's, I mean, really it's, it's not meaningless, right? If we win this, if we go on a run, like bowls, bowls still on the table, but like, do any of these guys really give a shit about whatever guaranteed rate bullshit bowl that we're going to get at six and six, right? Like if we yep. somehow do it. And so it's a, I don't, I don't know. I really, it, it felt like last weekend was the beginning of the end. Um, and, and yeah, it's just crazy. It's crazy to me that it hasn't happened yet. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think the, you know, this obviously is a very tangled situation and I, I will, you know, I think start by just saying like, there's so many rumors out there. There's so much stuff swirling and like, I'm not the person to be like, this is who our next coach should be. Your insiders are saying this, like, you know, when it happens, it happens. But yeah, at this point, like, I wonder how much the buyout is really wedging us to where it's like we got to let this ride a little longer um or like it's not bad enough because the buyout is so high uh, but yeah this guy's never won three games in a row at west virginia we have three games to go we have to win all three to go to a bowl like you said the players don't care about going to the you know bad boy mowers gasparilla bowl like no one actually cares about that anymore so i just wonder what the the locker room vibe is i mean i have to imagine that there's there's been you know there's days that the offense has been great and the defense lets up 40 and then there's been the flip where the defense holds you you know holds them under 20 the offense can't get things going so i just am curious of what the locker room vibe is like is or is the locker room lost is it you know gone you know i think there were rumors that neil and harold have had a falling out like you know what does that mean for all of this i don't know there's just so many variables going um i think in a way, and obviously the whole other layer is like Shane Lyons is like, is he, you know, how hot is his seat? But the the thing that like sticks out to me is I know that we have put ourselves in this horrendous position with like the buyout and not being happy with the coach, but like you are not a serious football program or like athletic program if you like go out and be like completely non-competitive for three additional games for the amount that we have already been non-competitive. Like I, I just feel like it's one of those things. It's like, you can't stand for this as the boss. Like this is unacceptable when it's happened this many times. And unfortunately, if you know, for pinned with the money, whatever, whatever it is, if we go out and lay like two more eggs out of the next three games, like we are just an unserious football program at the current time. And you can't debate that that's not true. Yeah. I mean, what are we, so we've, we've been uncompetitive for a third. We played nine games. So a third of the season, we just haven't shown up this year. Right. We, we, I yeah. mean, Texas, Texas Tech, Iowa State, just absolutely, absolute no shows. Right. Yeah. So you go out and no show these next three. It's literally, you're going to tell me half of the games this season, we were not competitive in a league 
that, that is as wide open as, as any conference as we've ever been in. I mean, you know, um, I was going to talk about this when we were doing the recap, but like my, th- there were so many good games last weekend and, and, but my sentiment watching the game, my prevailing thought of watching these games is like, we're not that much, we're m- that much, if any worse than any of these teams. Um, and I think that we've seen that with the way that we played against Baylor, the way we played against TCU, the way we played against Kansas. Now that we know Kansas is, I mean, Kansas is, Kansas won a game without, uh, without Daniels finally this weekend, Kansas is going to a bowl. Um, I think we've seen in those performances that we're no worse than any of these teams out here. Like, are we really that much worse than TCU sitting at nine and zero? And the fact that we have just gone out, it, it makes the shit like Texas, Texas Tech, Iowa State, it makes it even more unacceptable. The fact that you just no show against these teams when every single game that we've played this year is right there to be won. Every single one of them is a coin flip, and you just have to go. You know, you have to yeah. go out and win it, and we just can't. Um, the Lions thing. I man, I know uh, there there's some some buzz, right? That the 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 extension um, the extension itself was defensible. The guaranteed money is is indefensible, yeah. um, and I don't think there's any question about that. You can't argue that. Um, I don't think his seat is as hot as some other people seem to think it is. Um, you know, I think I put in the little note in, in, our, in our Google Doc, it, it's like you plugged in the Panini uh, press, right? Like, it's not hot yet, but it could get there in a hurry if he messes this situation up. Um, because, you know, I mean, you got a basketball coach who you're probably going to have to hire in the next few years. Like, let's say, let's say next five years, you're probably going to have to hire a football coach here. You know, I think... The other sports, a lot of the other sports are going really well. You mentioned the uh, the women's soccer team just won the Big Twelve tournament. Um, but if you if you mess up football and basketball, that's it. You can't really. I mean, there's no coming back from that. And and so it's like, can you trust him to? Can you trust him with both of these decisions when like the Brown thing clearly didn't work out the way he planned planned on it working out, which is fine. I mean, Brown was a fine hire in the moment. Um, but I think that it's clear that it's it's kind of going down the shitter and, and they've been slow to move, which, you know, I yeah. get not the fans, but they've been slow to move on this. We, we, and we haven't heard anything from him since the vote of confidence after Kansas, you know, which is, I don't know. It's just weird. It's a weird yeah. situation. Yeah. And yeah. And we, we talked about it. It was episode 11, the post Kansas rant when we had Jake on, he kind of laid out the details of the contract, which is a good refresher. If, you know, if you're interested in, in going back and learning about it, but yeah, you know, the thing with lines, it's like, all he's really done is hire Brown and you know, that's been this, I think the extension, obviously the hiring of Brown was a knockout hire. That was great. Everything on paper, like, you know, you and me, we wouldn't have made any other decision given the options probably, but yeah. So it was, you know, a great hire, but the extension is, is hard to be, you know, you hard to defend that. And then, you know, Huggins is kind of on an Island in basketball where like, that's, I almost want to say that's like not Lions department. Like that's Huggins department. And it is his <laughs> until like it gets drug on way too far or something, you know? So it's like, this is like the thing he's got to manage is football. And, you know, clearly we feel very wedged right now in, in the situation. So, um, I don't know. You know, I think these things are complex because, you know, it, if it is even Lions decision to fire Brown or not, because you're like, okay, well, does Lions get to make that call at this point? Is his seat so hot that, it's not even his call. And then it's like, okay, well, you got to hire a new coach, staff, maybe a new AD. Like these things take time. So, I mean, I think that maybe is your your one thing of like why it didn't happen today or yesterday is like there is like process that has to develop here um, because this is just like a tangled web. 
And it's just like, yeah, it stinks we're in this situation. We, you know, we mentioned it. I don't think we have been anywhere near this situation the entire time I've been a Mountaineer fan. So a little bit of uncharted waters. Um, if you're on social media, obviously it's wild right now with all the fake rumors <laughs> popping up. People just say whatever they want, slap it on a graphic, and it's like my sources are telling me this. Um, so it's the Wild West out there. Like who who the hell knows? He could you know he could get fired tomorrow. He could be coaching versus Pitt week one next year or Penn Penn State week one next year. So you really just don't know at this point. It's a lot of speculation. Like you know what the the shitty thing is. I don't know if I feel worse about. <laughs> Uh, Neil Brown coaching against Penn State to open the season or the new coach year zero just opening with Penn State. <laughs> I don't know which yeah. one of those situations makes me feel worse. It's just like, God damn. Um, you know, this was supposed to be, Joel, this was supposed to be the 10 and 2 season. We break, you know, we we unwrap Nico to start next year. And then 2024 is the national championship run. You know, it was all, it was in my head. It was all worked out. We have Gallagher in. We got the, you know, we got trailing Ray. We got all these receivers coming in. Um, it was all, it was all ironed out. And then, boy, did that, uh, boy, did that not really turn out the way that I thought it was going to. So, I mean, if you want, if you want me to, you know, get optimistic, look at the teams in the big 12 alone that have turned around like a two to four win season and look at what has like happened the next year. Like Baylor has won the championship. Kansas has gone from 10 years of mediocrity to a bowl. Uh, Texas tech has had some turnarounds. Like, it happens. The, the one, the one to me, uh, and we talked about it uh, on the preview. Uh, was it two weeks ago? Um, the TCU, the TCU situation, where they go from five and seven, and sure, they've had a little bit of luck this year. I feel like, but it is all of the same players that they had same last guys. year, and they're nine and zero this year. Um, and and so, really, you know, it's it's the kind of thing where go back to what I said just a few minutes ago. Where like I'm watching these games, we're not we're not any worse than any of these teams that we're playing. And maybe, you know, Brown, I, I really do feel like he's improved the infra- infrastructure. He's improved the program, but the on-field product just isn't where it needs to be. And it's it's one of these situations where, like, is it going to have to be somebody else who comes in and reaps the benefits of his off-field work? Which, you know, uh, yeah. I'm not going to complain it about it if it happens that way. But it, it totally, I mean, Coach, Coach Odron, I mean, yep. he didn't build LSU, but he took it over at the right time and he he, you know, wrote it all the way. Clearly, he wasn't the long-term option there, but like it happens. But you know, it happens where yep. you, you you can build these things up and let the next guy take the take the reins. Um, you know, the last thing I want to say is just like I really like Neil Brown. I really yeah. like him. Like for the most part, I watch a lot of his pressers. I watch a lot of you know all the stuff. And if uh, all I got was like a final score or just like a win loss at the end of the day, um, and didn't watch the on-field product, I, I don't know. I feel like maybe I would feel differently maybe year four it's a lot of losses at this point but uh everything except the on-field performance i really like about the guy but unfortunately that's the biggest part i mean that's all all your mostly what you're graded on you can get away with scandals and all kinds of stuff and still be a successful coach um you know he's he's great at literally everything else uh just has not been able to put it together so it's a shame it's unfortunate i think everyone's been rooting for him some people are maybe still rooting for him I don't wish the guy anything bad, but it's just a shame where we're at right now. Obviously, everyone's just bummed out about it. Well said. All right, should we do uh, let's do do a quick recap, precap, and then quick little bit on Oklahoma and get the f up out of here? Yeah, let's do it. All right, recap, uh, recap from last weekend. Let me pull up my notes here. Um, 
So lots of good games last weekend. Um, TCU 34, Texas Tech 24. Um, I'll let you go ahead and start on this one. What were you, did, you, did you watch much of this game? Watched a little bit here and there. You know, TCU found a way like they kind of have been. It's the theme is they're finding ways to win games. Um, I think they were down or, or pretty close for a good portion of this game and then, you know, figured it out. Um, but this is just, a, once again, a testament that TCU is the undefeated top team in the conference and Texas Tech is is not. And, you know, they gave them everything that it just didn't. When you watch like the clips of the game, it's, it doesn't feel like these teams are that much different in skill level. So that goes to tell you that this conference is so flat. We're just they're finding ways to win. And we are, you know, kind of on the other side of that coin. Yep. Yep. I watched a little bit of as well. Exact sentiments where, you, I mean, you, you don't feel like there's much separating those two teams, but except for the, you know, five wins. Um, Baylor 38, Oklahoma 35. I uh, did not catch any of this one. Um, have kind of gone back and looked at it. It feels like uh, Oklahoma may have kind of contributed to their own downfall a little bit here. I saw they lost the turnover battle um, by two. Uh, so, you know, definitely gave Baylor some possessions. Let Baylor run all over them. Um, so, yeah, Baylor, Baylor seems to be rolling a little bit right now. Yeah, you know what you need to do to get your season right? You need to play West Virginia. Um, even if you lose like Baylor did, they've, I don't think they've lost since they've kind of gotten on a heater. Um, so yeah, Baylor, Baylor figuring things out. Um, I think this gets them to bowl eligibility. I know some of the Baylor fans were after they lost to us, were like, Oh, we're not even going to a bowl this year. So they got that thing right. And then Oklahoma, um, yeah, it's interesting where they're at because new coach expectations, I think as a Sooner fan are always absurdly high, excuse me. They're always absurdly high, but I don't know. I wonder how they're feeling. I think they're at four losses now. So that's been, uh, been a long time since they've been there. Yeah. Yep. You're, uh, I'm sure the, you know, year zero, they'll talk themselves into it. Um, next we have Kansas 37, Oklahoma state 16. Um, so Spencer Sanders didn't play in this game. The backup quarterback threw three picks. Um, and I don't know if there's a whole lot more to say than that, but I mean, yeah, I mean, Kansas really put it on them. Kansas gets the bowl eligibility, six wins. Jayhawks. Yeah, I really thought Oklahoma State was a more complete team than just their quarterback, but the last two weeks, the Kansas schools have just embarrassed them. So yeah. I have no idea what to think about Oklahoma State. They're sitting at the end of our schedule, and it's like, is that a potentially winnable game at this point? Where I used to think that was like the death squad at the end of the, end of the season for us. Well, so not to not to well to absolutely reopen the 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 firing thing is like if you're really selling yourself on this, it's like why haven't they fired uh, Neil yet? It's because maybe they're waiting for us to be bowl ineligible, right? That's yeah. that seems to be kind of one of the theories, um, one of the one of the primary theories of why it hasn't happened yet. We've been a much better team at home, so you know it's a huge stretch to say he's going to rip off his first three game. Uh, you know, series right here when we when we need him to to save his job, um, but you could talk yourself into okay, we we beat Oklahoma at home, we beat Kansas State at home, and if Spencer Sanders is still out, Oklahoma State has looked like dog shit, and so you know, it, it takes some some Olympic level mental gymnastics to get there, but like, I guess I could see it. Um, I can I can see, I guess decision makers kind of talking themselves into that. Uh, justification but i don't yeah. know um i didn't i didn't watch any of this game either um anything else to add here uh nothing nothing too much i'm just surprised at the total team effort that kansas has you know kind of bounced back after losing Jalen daniels yep yep they're fighters man 
Culture. Culture change. Lipo. All right, then the last game last week, we have Texas 34, Kansas State 27. Um, probably, I don't know. I mean, great game. I don't know if it's surprising either because Texas definitely has the better players. But, you know, coming off the previous weekend where, um, you know, Kansas State just absolutely houses Oklahoma State, I think, you know, probably expect them to be riding high at home. But Texas walks in and, uh, and gets the win. And now Texas is back in the top 25 polls. And... Um, you know, to get into the, I guess, to get into the precap a little bit here, Texas going to TCU this weekend, it feels like a pretty appetizing game to me. Um, did you, did you watch much of the Texas Kansas state? I guess let's do that first. No, I was, I was out, um, that night, but I do, uh, I was, I was keeping tabs on it and Texas almost did the same thing that they've done a lot in the last couple of years and then like blow a late lead. It's funny how the analytics like really favor Texas. A lot of the outlets really like Texas, but like they also almost let this game get away. Kansas State was driving with under a minute to go to tie the game. So, but yeah, I mean, this puts Texas on the inside track now. TCU, Texas. Um, I feel like if Texas wins this, that like lightly locks the TCU Texas rematch. Um, so yeah, yeah, they, yep. they really got it got it together now. Yep, yep, looking good, looking good. Um, all right, so yeah, precap. That's the seven o'clock. We'll hit that. Uh, we'll hit that last. But uh, so twelve p.m. We have Iowa State at Oklahoma State. Iowa State actually one point favorite here, which leads me to believe that Vegas does not think Spencer Sanders is playing. Um, this could be as ugly of a game as as ours was last weekend in Ames. Uh, what do you What do you think in here? Yeah, this this game would be. This is like peak Big Ten football right here, where like the offenses might not move the ball at all because I was not impressed by Iowa state's offense at all. And if Oklahoma state just put up 16 on Kansas, this could be just like a muddy, nasty game, pretty much a push. Um, so yeah, just like I said, surprised to see that Oklahoma state has sort of been crumbling, um, after losing Sanders. I think the defense to me is, is the really, uh, is the weird thing. Right. And I, I mean, maybe it's, it's kind of that thing where like, uh, we've, we've had it a couple of times over the years, but, but the other way where like the offense feels like they have to score on every drive or else we're not going to have a chance in a game. Maybe like their defense kind of feels like shit. If we don't get a stop here, we're fucked, you know? Um, and then, and, you know, over the course of a season, that kind of pressure can just, can, it just eats away at you a little bit, but I don't know. Yeah. I'm expecting like a, like a 17, 13 or, a, you know, 13, 10, Maybe some weird score like a like a fifteen to twelve or something, you know, something yeah. stupid like that. But yeah, I think it's going to be an ugly game. I'm I'm not planning to watch very much of that game. Mm-hmm. All right, then we have. Oh, sorry, that's a three thirty kickoff. If you're really jonesing to watch Iowa State versus Oklahoma State, it's we actually have we have we have three night games this week. Um, so wow. seven seven p.m. We have Kansas State going to Baylor. Baylor. Three point favorites. I, you know, I, I said it said it earlier. Baylor's rolling right now. Um, thoughts about them being three point favorites? Mm, that's a little surprising to me, but um, don't look now. This Baylor's actually four and two in the conference. They're in a three way tie for second with Texas and Kansas State. So loser basically is eliminated here. The winner, you know, keeps their keeps their hopes alive, making that conference title game. Um, I really haven't watched a lot of Baylor the last couple of weeks, though. I, I don't know what has like changed or you know what's so different. But once again, I just feel like the the prevailing sort of point in this conference is the teams. The, the difference in teams are so margin like the margins are so thin here that um, I could see this game. You know, clearly, I think some of the Oklahoma State results have been surprising. I could see this game going 
a lot of different ways, but this will be an exciting one. Like I said, loser kind of is out of the race now, and winner winner is definitely all still in it. Yep, absolutely. And then Baylor, I mean Baylor TCU next weekend, so we'll see kind of kind of some importance on the, on those results. Um, the other seven PM game, Kansas at Texas Tech. Uh, Tech four point favorites. Um, what do you what do you think about Kansas going to uh, to Lubbock? Mm, going to Lubbock, and you said this is a night game. Probably, mm-hmm. probably favor the Red Raiders here. Um, you know, four point favorites. So, Kansas, though, I mean, man, I would love to see what this team would be like with Jalen Daniels right now. It feels like they have really gotten better as this season has gone along. Especially like being able to win these games now without him has has been pretty impressive. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I still think I'm liking Texas Tech here. I think so too. Um... I think, you know, we're we're uh, putting some stock in the Oklahoma State brand that maybe we shouldn't be at this point without Spencer Sanders there. Um, just in terms of, you know, they got they got beat forty eight to nothing. They get beat thirty seven sixteen now. You know, I don't know if Kansas actually played all that well or if Oklahoma State is just down exceptionally bad right now. Um, so yeah, I think I, I like Texas Tech as well. Um, then the uh, the big game seven thirty game of the week. Um, I think it has to be, but TCU at Texas, Texas, seven point favorites at home against the undefeated Horned Frogs. What do you think? <laughs> it's quite disrespectful to TCU being nine and zero and coming in as seven point dogs at Texas. Um, I don't know though. You you feel like it's got to you know the clock's got to hit midnight eventually on on this TCU team. They've gotten really, I don't want to say lucky, but man, they they have they have a lot of games that could have gone the other way and they've been kind of the beneficiary of like a lot of injuries to quarterbacks as they were playing them. So, um, I, you know, this is one of those games where this is where you're really going to find out if TCU is legit. Um, because I definitely think Texas has the talent advantage. Um, but Texas is thing and, and for several years now has been choking these big games or, or blowing a late lead. So I will be watching this game. This is, this is, you know, these are the, the top of the conference. So I think exciting game. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think I like Texas in this one, man. Um, we, we kind of said it, uh, last week in the, uh, Iowa state preview, um, TCU looked vulnerable, uh, against us. I thought, you know, like having, having played them, I was there in person for that one. So it's not even just like, this was my perception watching on TV is that was a beatable football team. Um, and obviously we were on the other side of that coin against Texas where we weren't there in person, but we watched it and like, holy shit, they like, you know, they had the talent just kind of blew us off the field. Um, and yeah, like you said, you know, I, I think TCU, somebody's got to win the games when they're all coin flips. Right. And, and they've just, you know, it's coming up tails. It's coming up tails every time tails never fails for them. Uh, you know, they could easily be a six and three, five and four, seven and two, you know, somewhere in there, like they could have easily lost two, three, four games this year, um, you know, in a vacuum. And so I don't know. I don't know if Texas covers, but I think, you know, Texas isn't, isn't the underdog uh, in, in Vegas terms here, but they're not the undefeated team. I think this is one where Texas comes out firing and, uh, and plays like they want to be in the big 12 title. So yeah, I think Texas wins. Yeah, I think on the flip, Texas could be like a one-loss team right now. They could be yeah. undefeated. I mean, they were very close to beating Bama and, you know, Texas Tech, they let that one get away. So, 
yeah, I think Texas is the better team, but I'm really interested to see because if TCU can beat Texas, you can't disrespect them anymore. They will have earned they will have earned the CFP in my opinion. Yeah, because at that point it's just like I mean, they still got to beat Baylor and then I think they close with Iowa State. So like, I mean, if you if you run that, especially the way Baylor's playing right now, yeah, you can't have any argument that 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 that, that they deserve uh, you know, one of one of the four spots, whatever one it is. Yeah. Yep. All right, which brings us to the uh, to the twelve o'clock kick. I guess we have to talk about this um, as we are a West Virginia podcast. West Virginia hosting Oklahoma. Oklahoma opens seven and a half point favorites. Um, Oklahoma coming in five and four. Uh, probably, I mean, their worst season since what did we say before the season that they've won less than nine games probably one time in the last like 21 years or something like that. I mean, it was some, some ridiculous streak where they, they, they won eight one year, they won nine one year. And then every other year it's been 10 plus. So, I mean, Oklahoma down bad, you know, definitely not the, uh, not the dream start for the Brent Venables arable, but, uh, I don't know. They've been playing better. I, you know what I think, I would say I haven't watched a whole lot of Oklahoma this year outside of just like highlights, condensed games kind of stuff is when Dylan Gabriel has been there, they've been really good, but he missed, he missed two games in the middle of the season. Um, and I think that's kind of affected a little bit their record. Uh, I don't know. What do you, what, what, uh, you know, set the scene with Oklahoma here. What, what are your thoughts on, on the Sooners? Yeah, so fact-checking, since the year 2000, they have won at least eight games every single season. So, <clears throat> they're at four losses right now. If you lose, I mean, they can still go eight and five, but if you don't get to that eight-win mark, it's the first time, you know, in a lot of people's fanhood of the Sooners. So, you know, this is uncharted territory for them, too. I think it's, uh, like, without question, this is the most vulnerable Oklahoma team that has ever come to Morgantown or that we have ever played in conference. Of all the years we've been in this conference, um, you know, this is this is the most, like, gettable Oklahoma game. I'm sure you know that we have never beaten Oklahoma in conference. We did beat them in the most important matchup, but we have not beat them in a conference game. Um, so it's a damn shame that we are limping into this game as the worst team in the conference. Like I said, this is the most vulnerable chance. This is your best shot at beating them. And yeah, it's just, you know, I think their their year has been disappointing. Um, like I said, I'm really not sure. I think the expectations were pretty wide, whereas you have this crazy Oklahoma fans who think they're going to run the table like usual. And then maybe some more realistic of we lost a lot of pieces. We've got a new coach. It's going to be some growing pains, something they have not experienced in a long time because all the way Bob Stoops through Lincoln Riley, they have, you know, they have kind of seamlessly gone through the transition and, and not really had any pains at all. So for that, as a West Virginia fan, I hope they experience some pains because, you know, we need to spread them around. Everyone needs to everyone needs to know what it's like once in a while to make the, you know, the highs feel good. So, um, yeah, like I said, this is an opportunity. All things aside, if you show up to the game on Saturday this could be the first and potentially the only time we beat them in the conference. And that is something that I think is still like exciting. And like, I don't want them to leave the conference and we not beat them. So if you're grasping for like a storyline to get excited about, like they're, they're kind of in the dirt as well right now, at least by their standards, like this could really be, you know, it stinks when you're the bad team, but like, this could be like a massive blow to them as just like, screw you. Like you're getting knocked off your pedestal. And you're going to the SEC, so have fun with that. That is exactly – well, that's not exactly why. That's exactly what I'm hoping for, though. 
Um, I'm going to be there on, on Saturday and, and yeah, just, I mean, how fitting would it be for Neil Brown's parting shot? We beat Oklahoma. We lose the last two, go four and eight. He gets fired anyways. But like in our worst season and probably, I mean, in my lifetime, we beat Oklahoma. Like that would be just really nice. Yeah. Like, fuck you guys. Enjoy the rest of your lives kind of thing, you know? Um, yeah, no, I think you said it well. Like this is this is as vulnerable, uh, and we kind of said it in the summer too when we were talking about them. Right? Is they lost a ton, uh, a ton of star power, um, both through the portal and to the NFL, uh, where you know it's they recruit really well, but it's hard to just ask uh, true freshmen, redshirt freshmen, to come in and perform at the same level as some of these guys who are getting, you know, who are getting drafted uh, into the league. Um, and you know, I think. Generally, they've been about what we expected, right? Like they've been, well, actually, I don't know. I would say they've been as good offensively as I as uh, as I think that I expected. They've probably been worse defensively than I expected, just because of uh, Brent Venable's reputation. I mean, they, you know, they lost a ton of talent over there, but I don't know. Did you did you think the Sooners would be a little bit? I mean, we've seen some really bad play out of that that side of the ball this year from them. Yeah, I mean, they got forty nine to nothing against Texas. No, so that that's a huge blemish. Kansas scored 52 or sorry, 42 on them just a couple weeks ago uh, without Jalen Daniels. TCU dropped 55 on them. You know, it's for a Brent Venables coach team. That's surprising. But I just feel like, you know, like I said, I think the growing pains of going from like an ultra offensive program to a very defensive minded head coach. Like, yeah, I'm sure there's just a lot going on there. Last week, they lost 38, 35 to Baylor. So, you know. That's about what we let up to Baylor. I think we let up 40. So, you know, kind of a similar game as that. And yeah, they're just two and four in conference. All they've beat is Kansas and Iowa State. They have not beat the best team they beat this year was Kansas. Maybe it was Nebraska. But other than that, they've just kind of been getting dominated, especially on defense. Well, I got bad news for you because we're worse than all of those teams. Um, yeah, let's let's get in the offense. So offensively, they they look like a Jeff Levy team. Um, run heavy, lots of uh, lots of running. I think sixty percent run, um, lots of play action, lots of RPO. I think they're they're like fifty percent play action RPO. It's like the seventh highest number in the in the country. Um, so what they'll do, I mean, they'll just hit you, hit you, run, 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 play action, deep shot. Um, you know, like they 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 take their shots. It's a vertical passing game. It's not it's not going to be a rhythm passing game like some of the stuff we've seen over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, with, uh, with TCU or sorry, with Texas tech. And then a little bit with TCU, TCU took some shots too, but, um, I don't know. Like, like I said, they've been pretty good when Gabriel's been out there, um, transfer from UCF. Uh, I think he's kind of been as advertised, you know, he's a, he's a tough little son of a gun, man. Um, only 5'11", 205, but he'll stick his nose in there and run the ball. Um, throws, throws it pretty well. It seems like, you know, I, his, his completion numbers like 64% is not great, but again, I mean, they're pushing the ball down the field. So I don't know. What's your, uh, what's your vibes on Gabriel here, uh, through, through nine games? Yeah. Gabriel is, um, you know, he had, I think it was against Nebraska. He had like an 80 yard, uh, scramble touchdown. Yeah. He's deceivingly fast. He can get out there make some moves. Yeah. When he has played and when he's been healthy, offense has actually been like pretty solid. Um, obviously that 49, nothing that was with a backup quarterback. Um, I don't think Pitt. he played in that game. Former, former Pitt quarterback, uh, something bevel. Yeah. So what can you expect? I mean, it's, it's just, you know, that, that's what you're going to get. So, Trash. <clears throat> so yeah, I think Gabriel's been good. I mean, he is, uh, I think we had this conversation in the off season. 
Unfortunately, he is the worst Oklahoma quarterback in like a decade because all they've <laughs> thrown out there is like Heisman dudes. So, you know, it is what it is. He is not like the Oklahoma quarterbacks we have seen in the past, but this dude's solid. I mean, he's um, – I'm only seeing two turnover-worthy plays for the whole season. I mean, protecting the ball, high, you know, decent completion percentage, um, only has four interceptions. His PFF grade on the season is almost an 84. So, you know, he's doing his job, I think – you know, when you, you look at this offense, they're they're still putting up points other than, you know, at least when he's healthy, they're putting up points. And a nice balance with Eric Gray in the backfield. Um, yeah. He's been really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've scored under 30 just three times. And and for two of those, uh, two of those, uh, Gabriel didn't play or didn't play the whole game. But yeah, no, Eric Gray, he's, he's been a guy who's kind of been around for a couple of years, right? He's, he's been more of a uh, luxury piece. Um, guy who's always been really good out of the backfield. But this year, you know, he's kind of he's the main guy. He's the main guy in the in uh, in the running game, and he's he's thriving. He's playing really well. Uh, I think he has like a ninety run grade, which, if it's not the best in the conference, it's it's right up there. Um, he's still really, really, really good out of the backfield. He's one of uh, or um, yeah, really, really good out of the backfield. I think he's one of their highest targeted guys. He has like twenty nine or thirty targets on the season, so they get him involved in the passing game. I think the skill players in general really. Um, you know, it's maybe half a step back from Oklahoma, but like half a step back again, you know, it's the same thing with Gabriel, right? Where like, yeah, he's not a Heisman contender, but he's still better than most of the quarterbacks in, in power five. It's the same with their skill players, right? Where, you know, it's not, um, these, these guys aren't competing for Blitnikoff's, but they're still like very, very, very talented. They're all four and five star recruits, right? So um yeah gray's good uh the guy backing him up javante barnes i actually think is is going to be just a massive problem um i think gray's gone this year so barnes is probably going to be the guy next year he's going to be a disaster um and then the receivers are awesome they they have like five or six guys they don't have kind of the depth of targets of some of the, the teams that we've played um but they have six guys with like 30 plus targets um who are all really good you know you got uh gray like we said marvin mims um, I think like fourth in the conference yards per catch with like 18 yards per catch. Uh, Jalil Farouk, Drake Stoops, the tight end's going to be just a, a disaster for us. Braden Willis has 39 targets this year, um, second in the in the Big 12 among tight ends. Um, so yeah, they just have a lot of really good guys that they can get the ball to. The offensive line's been good. I don't know. I'm not expecting. <laughs> I'm not expecting a lot this weekend from 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 us defensively. This is not the Iowa State team that we played last weekend. <laughs> Yeah, it does worry me a little bit what you said, having six guys who have over 25 targets and they all have like great PFF grades. Like that that's good, what yeah. worries me is that any of these guys are threats when they get open. And unfortunately, we tend to leave one or two dudes open. So, um, yeah, the tight ends are going to be a problem. He's second on the team in targets. Um, and then one interesting thing about Eric Gray, he's actually tied for sixth in the country in most runs over 10 yards. He has 31 runs that are 10 or more yards. So it's pretty explosive, like big gash running plays. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, just to top it all off, the offensive line has been solid. That's been something that Oklahoma is, you know, that's their bread and butter. And it has been for several years is they generally have the best or one of the best in conference. Um, and yeah, just a really solid unit this year as well. Um, you're looking at the both pass and run block PFF grades. They're, they're sitting right there at the top of the conference. So any chance of us stopping him? What do what, I mean, what's it going to take? What do you think? Dude, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't even, you know, we've, we've kind of gone through our, you know, different layers of it, of, you know, braining pressure to, 
you know, sort of help remedy the issues we've had in the secondary. Like, I don't know. I, I, I just really don't know at this point. I, I'm still <laughs> on the, the brain pressure side of things, but also um, at some point you got who you got and the chess game sort of sorts out, you know, it's just like you put your guys in the best position. And um, this is something Neil Brown learned about a week ago that generally you try to do something to play to your strengths. So, you know, it's at the end of the day, you just got to do that and, and just see what happens. I don't know, man. Oh, Sun Tzu Brown out there. Um, yeah, I don't know. Outside of outside of some turnovers, and I think you said it that that you know um, Gabriel just hasn't hasn't put them in bad spots a whole lot this year in in, in that regard. Outside of some turnovers, I, I really don't see it happening. They're probably going to hang forty. I, you know, I feel like it's slow, slowing the offense down is is not really in the cards in terms of us winning the game. I don't think so. Um, let's let's go ahead and flip fields, flip sides of the field, get into the defense. You know, I think as good as the offense has generally been, the defense has been probably just as bad. You know, they're they're like bottom quarter of the country um, in most of the EPA stuff, most of the traditional stats. Uh, you know, I think they'd be in the conversation for worst defense in the conference besides us. Um, so, you know, like, <laughs> hey, we're wearing the crown. Like, don't don't yeah. even don't even try and come take the crown. But you know, them, Kansas, I think maybe even Oklahoma State at this point. Um, you know, a handful of, of units that have looked bad more than they've looked good. Oklahoma State's right in that conversation. So what are you seeing on defense from them? Yeah, the four teams you just named, at least if you're looking at beta rank, those are the bottom four teams. Um, we are 117th in beta rank defense. It's four. And there is like a decent um, opponent adjustment in beta rank. So it really does favor teams that have tough schedules. We played 11, we will play 11 P5 teams. We're 117th. We want to talk about Oklahoma being real bad. Still in beta rank, they are just 52nd. So that gives you context of how how bad our defense is. We're 125th in uh, effective pass. But all that to say is, yeah, clearly the defense for Oklahoma has let them down. Um, it has kind of been the reason they have lost a lot of the games that they have. Um, like I said, 55 to TCU, 41 to Kansas State, 49 to Texas, 38 to Baylor. Um, you know, I, I this is probably going to... I don't even know. I don't even know with our offense anymore, but you think that this is something that can, you know, like get the wheels starting to turn. Maybe we can put some drives together and instill some confidence. We did just come off playing like one of the best defenses in the country. Uh, Beta rank has Iowa State as two in defensive rank right now. Like I said, they just got the the very friendly West Virginia bump, but they were like, they were like six last week. So it's not like they were some slouch coming in. Um, Uh So, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe we can get some things moving early, get some confidence back because, because man, we need it. I think this is one where, man, it'd be really nice to have CJ. I don't know. I guess we'll hear tomorrow if, uh, if Tony Mathis is playing. But, um, yeah, I mean, so you, you look at their four losses. They've allowed 250-plus rushing yards in all four of those losses, right? So mm-hmm. if you're looking at – you know, what's the, what's the delineation between them being good and them being bad on defense. I feel like it's on the ground. Kansas state put up a ton on them. TCU ran for like 380. Um, Texas ran for like 290. And then uh, who did they Baylor Baylor ran for 280 on them. I mean, so, you know, this is a team that has just given up a ton, a ton, a ton. I think they're averaging like almost 200 yards a game allowed on the ground against FBS opponents this year. Um, So, you know, that's, I feel like that's kind of, it's like, man, I, I just wish we were fucking healthy. Hopefully, 
Um, I mean, Justin Johnson actually I thought looked fine last week, but we only ran like 16 plays in the entire game. So he didn't get many opportunities, but yeah. um, I don't know. I, you know, it looks like they have uh, just from a, from a grades perspective, like they have some good dudes up front and then they have some above average dudes on the back end. Uh, I think the problem with them defensively, it looks like has been uh, the linebackers. So, you know, and, and Venables runs that four, three. So they play three linebackers. And two of them have been actively bad. They've played three guys for like 580 snaps or more. And two of those guys have kind of sucked. So I think, you know, when you look at the the defense from kind of that 10,000 foot view, that's been the biggest issue is that Venables relies on linebackers and, and theirs aren't very good. Yeah. And that's the growing pains because, you know, he gets some yeah. guys this year in the portal and over the off season gets, you know, guys in the shape he wants or in, in whatever it kind of creates that defense a little more what he's looking for. This defense could be like a top two, top three in the in the conference next year. Like I want to be that surprised. Immediately. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, by by traditional stats, if you go yards per game on the ground, they've let up two hundred, which is far and away the worst in the conference. So That's a lot. yeah, the the vulnerable point here is the run game. You know, obviously that our health in the in the running back room is of question, but um, I wonder if this is a week Garrett Green gets a larger responsibility because. He was the only productive drive we had, even though everyone was checked out at the end of the game. I just wonder if there are more packages for him this week, some read options, just something in the ground game, because maybe if we don't have the depth in the running back room we want, um, I feel like that's the way to attack this team is to uh, to pound the rock. And he was even good against Oklahoma down there last year, right? Like yeah. with, with all of these NFL dudes that we're talking about them losing. Um yeah, and it, so I'm, I mean, it, this isn't my point. I, I think Kazaza wrote about this in in one of his uh, uh, the, maybe the Week Ten questions or whatever article. Um, but like we've we've thrown Green out there at a skill position for ten weeks now. We haven't seen one fucking trick play, yep. not one, not one. We've thrown it to him a bunch. We've handed it to him a bunch, and not one of those plays was he like even looking like he was going to throw the ball right. And it's like, so what the what the hell are you keeping that bullet in your gun for? At three and six. And three and, and, five. and how frustrating is it in a 10-7 game when like you just need a spark? You just need one Dude. like gadget touchdown and you don't run a reverse where he throws the ball or something like that. You know, it's like that is the absolute spark you need when you have like eight three and outs in the game. So yeah, I'm fully on board with that. Iowa State ran what I think was the most uh what's the word? I, I mean the most obvious horrible reverse that I've ever seen in my life. And they gained like 35 yards and sparked their touchdown drive in the first half after we yep. pinned them at like the five yard line. Um, yeah. When, it, when it, was the last time we saw anything other than like, we have what we have like seven plays. What do we fucking remember the Titans out here? We have seven plays, give them time. They all work like try something different. Yeah. I have literally like we run the same run play. We run the same little bootleg play. We run the same little cross play with, uh, the little stick play with Prather or Ford Wheaton, or we throw it deep. Like we, there, it's 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 we have nothing going on. We have nothing going on offensively. Why can't Garrett Garrett Green has been a spark for two years, and Neil Brown is just what are we scared that he's gonna like be too exciting? He might gain too many yards and knock us well, off schedule. It might uh, be too in, fun. In it might be too fun, and we get distracted from the game plan. So like I can Jesus understand because. Yeah, I, you know, you can't design an offense around gadget plays, but when your offense is completely stagnant, you have to keep the defense honest. When they're like when they're like pinning their ears back and they know what's coming and they're consistently stopping you, you have to show them a different look. 
I feel like we've shown enough tape that Garrett Green's out there and he's not going to do something. Run a little, put him in the slot. He motions over. You hand off. It's you know some kind of reverse thing. You you have some guy streaking downfield. He throws a decent deep ball. Like he can throw the ball. Guy's got a live arm, man. Guy has a live arm. And he, you know, and if it's not there, he can use his feet. I don't know. I'm I'm fully there with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think if there's any week of the season that he can he could come in and be a big um, contributor, it could be this week. Like this is this would be the week. I think you got to do it. And also, like you said, like get all the bullets out of your chamber at this point. Like what do you have to lose? Yep. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, the, uh, the, when you look at the weak spot of their defense, like it's the same as ours, right? Like our, our linebackers are kind of trash too. What kills us misdirection stuff. Like it's okay if we do things to other people that they do to us. Um, and what is one of the hardest things for linebacker read option? So yeah, like, I mean, if we come out and it's another first quarter like this week where, Oh, we're going to change some stuff and start fast and, you know, score seven points, uh, after 29 minutes of football. Um, if we start out and just, you know, three and out, three and out, three and out, put green out. Like I, you're going to get booed. If you don't do something different, you're going to get booed off your field. That's that. And that's what we're talking about. earlier. Yeah. So I don't know. I think, I think being able to run the ball, put those linebackers in conflict. That's kind of the key for us offensively. I feel that I don't, I don't watch a lot of opposing coaches post games, but do you think that in contrast to Neil, they're like, yeah, they ran a lot of stuff we saw on tape. <laughs> <laughs> they were who we thought they were. Like, like yeah, we, we felt really prepared because, yeah, they ran the exact same 20 plays they ran last week. Yeah. And we just watched those, and then they did them again. So. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's that's, uh, that's yeah, cool I'm that, man. It's just, you know, if you made it this far, you're a real one. So salute. And, um yeah, you never know what happened. Like I said, could be our first conference win versus OU, <laughs> or we could we could really test the can it get any worse. So that's the divide we are at. I can't wait to watch it. I can't wait. I'll be there. All cool. right, man. Well, we are on Twitter at WV Stats Guy at Game Day Shorts. We got a pod. Or we got a Twitter for the pod. It's at West by Pod. Get us on SmokingMusket.com, and let's go Mountaineers. Let's go. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.